Good morning, Grace Church. Great to see you this morning. I want to take a moment before we get started here just to introduce myself. Uh, Those of you that are visiting for the first time, my name is Justin Ross, one of the pastors here at Grace. And Nathan just prayed that my sermon would be good. So we're going to see if his prayers are answered or not today. So thanks for praying that, Nathan. He was in the first service, so I don't know what that means. But uh, hey, before we dive in this morning, we, we are in a series called Gifts. Um, hence all the gifts on the stage. But uh, we are uh, talking about the gift of God's goodness this morning, and I'm excited to uh, talk about it this morning and for us to reflect on that. But before I dive into that, I want to celebrate a couple things with you this morning. I want to communicate a couple things to you this morning. And um, I know we have two services here at Grace Church, and we have some wonderful volunteers that help with G Kids ministry during both services. And sometimes you may be at the second service and you miss some people at the first service and vice versa, you know. And so I just wanted to communicate something to you. There's a young couple in the first service, and uh, you may know them, Austin and Stephanie. And uh, uh, Stephanie's mom and dad, Steve and Tanya. Austin and Stephanie got engaged this past Thursday. Ah, yeah, it's pretty exciting. And... Uh, Man, super proud of Austin. He had to ask Steve to marry his daughter, all right? If you know Steve, he works security for us, and he's a big dude, all right? And uh, so we're super excited for Austin and Stephanie, and uh, man, we just want to pray God's richest, richest blessings over their marriage and over their future. Also, this past Friday night, uh, we had Jingle Jam here at Grace Church. Many of you were able to come. It was a lot of fun. It was a huge success. We had over 60 people in attendance, which is... Uh, it's actually our biggest FX that we've had here at Grace. You might say, what is FX? FX means family experience. And uh, Katie and her team did a wonderful job. We wanted to celebrate that this morning. And then also just wanted to communicate to you that uh, back in October of this year, uh, Pastor Chris and his family moved to Ohio. And, uh, you know, he, he took a position as a small group pastor there at a church in Ohio. And I want to just give you an update on how they're doing, and I want to encourage you to pray for the Standridge family in their transition. But they just recently purchased a new home, and so they're just getting settled in, getting transitioned. They're really enjoying their new church and and, uh, what God has done for them. And, you know, they were a huge blessing to us here at Grace Church. They served for over 10 years uh, ministering to us and pastoring here at Grace. And uh, and, uh, we want to just continue to pray for the Standridge family. What I wanted to communicate is that uh, since Chris moved away, Nathan Scott stepped in and has been doing a great job. Yeah, you can give Nathan a round of applause, all right? <clears throat> Nathan Scott is doing an internship here at Grace, and he's been leading Grace Student Ministries since uh, the standards has moved away. And uh, this internship that Nathan is doing um, is through the end of the school year, um, through May of 2020. And I want you to know this morning that we um, here at Grace Church have officially begun the search for a new student pastor to serve here at Grace Church. And uh, we we take ministering to the next generation, like, how, how can I say this? It is at the core of who I am as a pastor to see the next generation fired up about the goodness and the greatness and the power of our God. Like that's, I, I, can't, I can't explain it any other way. And so we're beginning the search. Um, 
We are going to um, have the application process open through January. Um, we hope to have someone hired by the end of February with a start date of March 22nd. That's our goal. That's what we're praying for. If you have any questions or you have any, uh, you're like, man, what is this new role? What is this position all about? I would love to send you the role description. I'd love to, to let you know what we're thinking about in regards to this, um, the leader of Grace Student Ministries, just so you can be informed, so you can know how to pray better. So please talk to me. Um, you can talk to anyone on the pastor team, and we would love to communicate with you more about that. So please pray for this process. And I, I ask that you would, uh, um, uh, man, just really be prayerful about it and just know that we're going to be giving you updates throughout this whole process, and we're excited about it. Lastly, just a quick reminder that, uh, like Pastor Keith already said, we are having three services this Christmas Eve, one at 2, 3.30, and 5 p.m. The title of the sermon is The Greatest Gift. And so we are going to be talking about Jesus. We're going to be sharing the gospel. It's going to be a wonderful evening, and we hope that you can make it and be there. And uh, we are going to celebrate the birth and the life of the God-man, Jesus Christ. It's going to be a great time. You know, there isn't a single person... There isn't a single person in this room, there isn't a single person, those of you that are watching on Facebook Live, there isn't a single person who hasn't experienced the outrageous, lavish, unexpected, undeserved kindness of God. You see, the truth is, we experience incredible goodness every single day. It's poured out on us constantly. I know this and I declare this with total confidence this morning because of this one unchanging truth. And this one unchanging truth, it it permeates every crease of reality. And that unchanging truth is God is good. God is good. It's a reality. It's a truth. We sing about it. We, We talk about it. We say it often. But do we fully understand this attribute of God, His goodness. I want you to meditate on the goodness of God with me this morning. The Bible defines God's goodness in two ways. It it defines His goodness by His character, and it defines His goodness by His actions. King David, he uh, captured both of these ideas of of who God is. That's His character. That's, That's just who He is. He's good. And what He does his actions. He captured both of these ideas in Psalm 119 and verse 68. This is a song that David wrote. And maybe there's some of you in here that are like, man, I don't know about the singing. It seems kind of sissy, you know. Tell that to King David, okay? He was a warrior. He led nations. He led militaries, okay? He was a man's man. And yes, he even played a harp, all right? He was awesome. And uh, he was, he was a, a man's man through and through. And he wrote this song, In Psalm 119, we're going to read verse 68. It says, you, speaking of God, are good. That's talking of his character. And then he says, you do what is good. You are good and you do what is good. The first half of that verse focuses on the fact that God is good by nature. Like, what does that mean? It means that he's morally pure. He is deeply glad. Like our God is, is, is full of joy. It's overflowing. I don't, I don't know what your view of God was um, when you walked in this morning. I don't know what your view of God is. 
But I hope when you leave here this morning that you have a better picture of who God really is. And He is morally pure. He is deeply glad. And He is extravagantly generous. But since this is God we're talking about, the definitions of goodness ascribed to Him are raised to the highest possible levels. God is the original definition of good. He is good in and of Himself. God is not just the greatest of all beings. He is the best. God is the best. He is good through and through. And that's why Jesus said this in Mark chapter 10 and verse 18. Jesus said that no one is good but God. No one is good but God. How does God reveal or how does He show His goodness to us? First of all, we see that God's goodness is shown through natural blessings. King David, once again, he wrote about this very clearly. King David was so moved by the goodness of God that he wrote Psalm 145, which is another song. I'm not going to sing it to you this morning, okay? I would like to try, but I don't know if you would like that so much. So we're going to just read it this morning. But Psalm 45 is a song of praise that celebrates God's goodness. And it's shown in the beauty of creation and natural blessings. So let's look at verses 3 and 4 of Psalm 145. King David wrote this song and it says, Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure His greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. Verses 7 and 8, he sings, Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled filled with unfailing love. Once again, I don't know what your view of God was or what it, what it is even in this moment. But I want you to understand that God is merciful. That God is compassionate. That God is slow to get angry. That He is filled with unfailing love. And then in verse 9, King David writes, The Lord is good to everyone. Who's included in the word everyone? You are. You're included in the word everyone. I'm included in the word everyone. God is good to everyone. It means there is nowhere in this universe that you can go where God will not be good to you. We read more about His goodness in verses 14, 15, and 16 of Psalm 145. It says, The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. Every good relationship, every good job that you've ever had, every tree that has provided shade for you, every uh, taste of food that pleases you, every song from a bird that, man, just is fun to listen to, every good friendship that you've had, every flower that you've smelled, every sunrise, every sunset, the very gift of life itself. Those are reminders of God's goodness towards you and me. Those are reminders to us of how God 
is so good. Listen, everywhere you look, in every part of your day, you will begin to to see and, and experience the overflow of his generosity, of his goodness. Man, I want to encourage you to look for it, to keep your eyes open, to keep your ears open for the goodness of God. God also shows his goodness to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Paul, Paul reminds us in Colossians chapter 1 that Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, man, if I could just see God, like maybe I would believe in God. If I could just see him. And the Apostle Paul tells us you have seen him when you look at Jesus Christ. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He is the God-man. He is God in the flesh. He also said, Paul, he said in Colossians 1.19, that God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. All of God, all of his fullness, everything about God, reside, lived, was in Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's goodness in the flesh. He demonstrated God's desire to pour out blessing and help and to deliver us by taking the judgment that we deserved. Paul tells us in Romans 5.8 that God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still in our brokenness, while we were still in our sin, Jesus laid His life down for you and me. God's Son took our place on the cross. He took our punishment. He took our judgment. And His death for us is the undisputed picture of unmerited goodness. Unmerited goodness towards us. And you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. In fact, we continue to do things that prove we didn't earn this. But God is good. God is good. So He gave us His Son to take our hell. He gave us His Son to redeem all who believe. God has already shown His goodness towards you in the biggest ways possible by sending His Son, Jesus Christ. But I want us to to understand something this morning. I want us to understand. I think sometimes we as Christians, man, we, we may say, gosh, I believe in Jesus. I believe that He lived and that He died and that He's alive right now. And sometimes we think the gospel stops there. But I want you to know that God's goodness doesn't just stop at salvation. Man, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, He is sanctifying you. He is making you more and more like Himself. He's making you more and more holy. His his goodness didn't stop at the cross. His goodness doesn't stop at salvation. Let me ask you, you, how do you see the true character of a person? For those of you that may be in a dating relationship or looking to date, you know, I think this would be important for you to hear that the true character of a person is found in their actions. I mean, anybody can talk a good talk. Anybody can say the right things. Anybody can, um, you know, put on a show with, with, with words. But the true character of an individual is seen by what they do. It's seen in their actions. So the second part of the definition of God's goodness concentrates on what He does. And the Scriptures are full of descriptions that point to His kindness and His mercy and His steadfast love, His generosity. Earlier 
in this service, we asked you to think about some, some ways that God has been good to you. And we're going to hear at the end of the service this morning, we're going to hear some of those things that you wrote down about how God has been so good. But I want you to know this morning that when God looks at you, with all of your wrongdoings, with all of your mistakes, with all of your hang-ups, God says, I want to be generous to you. I want, I want to meet your every need. I want to love you unconditionally. Not because you deserve it, not because I deserve it, but because that's who He is. His, his love overflows in extravagant ways over us. The Scripture says that those are actually the thoughts that God has towards you. The prophet Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 9, you can read about it, how God um, has thoughts about you and how He has dreams for you and how He's planning good things for you and He wants good things for you and your family and for your future. Those are the thoughts that God thinks towards you. I want you to know this morning that God is for you. He has your back. He's there plotting and planning to do good things for you. You are the object of His affection. And because of His divine nature, all that He expresses comes from this overwhelming, God-sized generosity towards you. He's for you. He's not against you. Like, Man, okay, that sounds good. Justin, that sounds really good. I even kind of want to believe it. But maybe you just can't go there this morning. Maybe your circumstances in life are so mundane. Your life feels so hard. Maybe you feel boxed in in life. You feel like you don't have any options. Maybe saying those words, God is good, maybe it feels hollow to you. Maybe it doesn't even feel true. Maybe you're like, man, I know we're supposed to say that in church, but I don't know if I really believe it. Maybe some of you this morning are like, I don't believe it. I don't believe God is good. So how can we know that God is good? I wanted to, I want to talk about some things that we're going to dive into a little bit of theology this morning, okay? And I hope and pray it's not a bore fest for you, okay? I'm going to do my best to try to keep you engaged and to keep you focused. But I think we have to go here to understand the goodness of God. You and I, we all know that the world is not right. Our world is jacked up. Our world's messed up. Something has gone terribly wrong. The scriptures teach that God created the world in a perfect state, and God declared his entire creation to be very good. And this perfect state is described in the Old Testament as shalom, or peace. That's the way God created it. That's the way He intended it to be. Even those who do not believe in God, they long for shalom. They desire peace because deep down there is this faint echo of the Garden of Eden and how things are supposed to be. Yet no matter how much money we spend, no matter how many elections we have, 
No matter how many companies we start or how many tears we cry or how many wars we, we wage, miseries, fears, tragedies, suffering, injustice, evil, sickness, pain, and death continues to plague our planet. Why? Why? And it's because of the fall. I want you to know Genesis chapter 3 might be the most important chapter in all of the scripture. Genesis chapter 3 explains the source of all of the suffering. It also contains the solution for sin and for death. And we're going to dive into this for just a brief moment this morning. Because of the original sin, you might say, what is the fall? The fall was the original sin. It was the first relational breach between the human race, and an almighty, holy God. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, they are separated from God. They're separated from one another. They hide from God. They hide from each other. They, 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 they are afraid of God. They begin to blame one another, and they seek to cover their sin and their shame while living apart from God. Man, doesn't this explain a lot? of people in our day. Shalom or peace had been vandalized. Good things were infected with evil. I want us to, to consider this for just a moment though. The original sin, the fall, this relational breach between the human race and a holy God. I want you to consider the fact that God dealt graciously and kindly with Adam and Eve even though they had sinned. You might say, how did he do that? God came to them. He came searching for them. He came looking for them. God called out to them. Even though they had sinned, God even promised his Messiah and God lovingly clothed Adam and Eve to protect them. Some people read the story about Adam and Eve and they see that God banished Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden, or he kicked them out of the Garden of Eden. And they're like, man, that seems like a harsh thing to do. That seems like a mean thing to do. But I want you to know that God lovingly banished this couple from the Garden because there was a tree in the Garden of Eden called the Tree of Life. And had they eaten from the Tree of Life, they would have lived forever in that broken state, in that sinful state, and there would have been no possibility, no way for them to be redeemed. And so God banished them from the garden so that redemption could come to us. Because God is holy, He must deal with sin. He can't just look the other way. He is perfectly holy. He has to deal with sin. And because God is lo loving and good, He has chosen to do so in a way that we would be forgiven and be restored to this right relationship with Him. I want us to, to know, when it comes to the goodness of God, there's some people that they haven't gotten to this place where they believe God is good. Their, their view of God is distorted. It's messed up. And I believe Satan, our enemy, has done a masterful job at putting all the blame on God, at, at making God out to be the bad guy. He twists the story. All the blame for suffering and fear and pain and death uh, Satan has, has tried to make it where it's God's fault. 
you know, and you've probably experienced or you've seen people that go through something bad in life and sometimes their first reaction is to raise a fist and to curse God. But the truth is, and you need to understand this, the truth is the fault of all the brokenness on this planet is because of sin. When sin came into the world, when sin came to being, that's when death entered the scene. And later in the storyline of the scriptures, we learn that Jesus did in fact come to save his people from their sins. And he did this by succeeding where the first Adam failed. Adam, he wasn't good enough. He wasn't able to live a perfect life. He failed. But Jesus came, and yes, he was born in this lowly manger, and he lived a perfect, sinless life. He succeeded where Adam failed. In his goodness, he offers forgiveness and reconciliation by grace. Even though he's the offended party, even though he was the one that was wrong, As I was trying to wrap my mind around this this week, I know I've been offended at times, and you know what my reaction has been? To try to offend back. That's what my reaction is. Or I want them to pay for offending me or hurting me. But yet God was offended. He was the one that was wronged, and yet He offers forgiveness and reconciliation. It's amazing. His salvation work in us restores us to this holy state from which we have fallen. And man, we are continually, day by day, being sanctified, being made right with God. Listen, the the goodness of God, it calls for a response. It calls for a decision. And I don't think we should hold God responsible for for the illnesses and the accidents and the natural disasters. God does not cause our misfortune. Man, religious people, preachers like me who maybe talk too much have sometimes distorted who God really is. And I believe this to the core of who I am. If you would get a proper view of who God really is, not what people have painted him out to be, but who he really is, I think you would come to this place where you would gladly Surrender everything you have to Him because you would know that He is good, that He is for you. And you would say, yes, I want Him to be my Father. I want Him to be my Lord. I want Him to be my Savior. God does not cause our misfortunes. Listen, the painful things that happen to us are not punishments for our misbehavior. I think sometimes religious people have painted God out to be this angry old man that's like out to get you if you mess up. And that's not who God is. You need to know that's not who God is. Listen, the painful things that happen to us are not punishments for our misbehavior. And they're not in any way part of some grand design on God's part to be cruel to us. Some people believe some masterful plan that God has designed these misfortunes, these these horrible things that have happened in people's lives. (coughs) 
try, try telling that to the young bride whose husband just drowned in the upper animus while he was rafting. Oh, yeah. God designed this for you. No way. No way. No way. Listen, sin and death and injustice and pain and suffering, it is because of sin. When God created the world, His original intention was shalom, was peace. And sin came into the world, and God has a plan to redeem us from that brokenness. Listen, I want to encourage us when tragedy or brokenness happens in this life. I can't tell you how to feel, but I want to encourage you not to feel hurt or betrayed by God when tragedy strikes. I want to encourage you to turn to God because He's going to help you get through that hardship. He's going to help you get through that tragedy. He's going to help you overcome it. And I think this is important for us to understand. This is trying to get the right view of who God is. Trying to eliminate the noise, the religious noise. Trying to get the right view of who God is. I want you to know, this is so important. I want you to know that God is more outraged and angered at injustice and the brokenness in our world than you and I are. I'm also going to say that I don't have it all figured out. But man, I'm trying to find who God really is. And I hope and pray that you will too. Listen, the goodness of God calls for a response. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, he says, don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? And I don't know about you, but for me I can say, yep. I can see that every day, okay? God is so patient with me. I'm going to steal a line from my dad. He said, if you and I got what we deserved, it would get hot in here really quickly, all right? That's what he used to say. But you know what? I can see. I'm like, man, he has been so tolerant, so patient, so kind. And then Paul goes on to say, does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin?" That's, he wants to get you back to this place of shalom. That's his desire. Another way we could say it is, do you think all of these blessings that are poured, or poured over you come just because you're an incredibly nice person and somehow you made God's nice list? No. Okay, that's not how it works. His goodness was meant to lead you to him. There's another verse in the scripture that says, It's because of God's kindness that men and women and children will turn to God. Once again, I believe when you see God for who He really is, you will have no problem 
saying, God, I, I want you to have all of me. I surrender everything I have to you. Because when you see God, you will know the truth. You will know he's good. And oftentimes we want the gifts, but we don't want the giver. You know, at this time, I'm, I'm going to invite the band to come up. And uh, I'm going to invite some incredibly dear friends of mine, Dan and Cindy Ford. They're going to come up as well. And uh, the, the band's going to play a song, and there's going to be a little interlude. Dan and Cindy are going to come up, and they're going to read some of the things that you wrote down about how God is good and how he's shown his goodness to you. And the whole reason we did this was so that, by God's grace, that you would walk out of here encouraged today. That you would walk out of here going, man, that was uplifting, that was encouraging, and hopefully it's painting a, a, a better view of who God really is. After Dan and Cindy read those, um, have just a couple closing remarks, and then Daniel's going to close us in prayer. But I just want to remind us this morning that pain and suffering in life is not the fault of God. The guilty party is Satan and sin and death. And God sent His Son, Jesus, to redeem us from those great enemies. And I think when we focus on the goodness of God, man, we can't help but be encouraged. And I hope that you have a better view of who God really is this morning. The band's going to begin to play.
has God been good to you? Precious Father has given us so many blessings in this church, and you have responded with uh, a grateful heart and over a hundred, uh, uh, 150 of these cards were, were accumulated over the two services today. We're going to read every one of them. <laughs> but a lot of them touched our hearts. We just grabbed a bunch of them. We want to share them with you. I'm very glad brought, God brought me to Durango, stabilizing stability, and I thank him for the, I thank the Lord for truly helping my father rise out of his sorrows and seeing me from, saving me from sadness and resentment. I can, sorry, <laughs> I can grow to become a better person instead of remaining sta- stagnant. I am eternally grateful for him and for his uh, sacrifice. God's given me kids. I'm sorry. Living, me living after I got shot, going to church, to this church. We don't know everybody's story. He has showered me in endless grace and many, uh, and mercy, being slow to anger in, to my sins and allowing me to rise, raise a family in light of that grace rather than living with his judgment by his blood, not my words. Has God been good to me to you? God gives me the wisdom I need daily to navigate a challenging job. Always enough at just the right time. He has poured out so many blessings in the six years since our family moved to Durango, but the community of friends and family we've grown to love through Grace Church tops that list. Thankful for the daily grace and presence in my life. And he used a tragic accident to save me and redirect my broken life for him. Knowing that God is taking care of me through each of the toughest times. Give God the glory for the good and the bad times. Our hope is in you, Lord, keeping our eyes on you. Praise God. How has God been good to you? A new home, a new job. Daughter graduates from college and gets a job. First grandchild, new church, new friends, old friends. He has blessed me with two beautiful children, a comfortable life, and a wonderful church family. Here's one that uh, flowed over to the second page, the back side, and it concludes, uh, This year God restored my marriage. It is a gift that I can share with everyone, and I love it. God has always surrounded me with people who love me and given me people to love. I feel very blessed with the life I've been given and have a lot of opportunity to help and influence people. God is great. And also, even when things go wrong and when I don't uh, make the best choices, God forgives me. He always forgives me and he still finds ways to bless me and help me. He's always loved me and never let me go. With him, I'm never alone. He has sent me three children this year who needed loving homes. He has taught me the gift of forgiveness. Once you're able to forgive, life becomes so much better. He has helped me uh, survive the gauntlet of Christmas parties so far without having a nervous breakdown. (laughs) And here's one. 
Where's Sadie? Where's Sadie? Well, Sadie says, uh, during uh, this uh, time, starting in middle school, I lost some friends like my best friend Hannah, and God gave me new friends like James and Ryan. Thanks, Sadie. God has given me a beautiful life of sobriety, the opportunity to come to him through Jesus and receive salvation. My life is better than I can uh, ever have imagined. He called me to him when I was lost. He has blessed me with a beautiful family and stable job. He gave me loving parents. He gives me strength when I need it. God filled a need for a job for my husband. God has blessed our daughter with a healthy pregnancy of our first grandchild due tomorrow. Amen. And Cindy and I are truly blessed to be able to go through all of these. And uh, it has really been a, a blessing to us to, to see all of these great and thankful people and be part of this congregation. Thank you. Stand, stand up and sing with us. Goodness of God. Oh, I wish. 